Psalm chapter 139 in your Bibles. Psalm 139. We are continuing in our journeying. Not, that's wrong. This is a wrong day. Let's try that again. We are continuing. By the way, uh, Journey with John, Wednesdays at 7. Be there, be square. All right? Uh, but we are continuing in our study uh, through what I have called the hashtag series, also known as the War Against Labels, right? And the whole purpose of this is for us to see and really take care of the fact uh, that our identity should be found in in Christ, right? In Jesus. And so uh, hopefully that's something, this is a, a study that has been able to, uh, to be a blessing to you. So Psalm 139 and verse 14 has been our textual verse for this series. It is verse 14 of 139. And it says... I will praise thee. Say it with me, y'all. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into um, our uh, label for today. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and for sending your Son down the cross for our sins, God. Thank you so much that we can find our identity in you, Father. And I pray that we would live lives that would be honoring and glorifying to you. And that you would help us to live more like you. In Jesus' name we pray and we're thankful. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, so what are some of the ones that we've talked about already? We talked about unlovable. We've talked about last week. We talked about uh, failure. Well, I feel like there was another one that we talked about. Am I missing one? Alone. Thank you. Tag team effort. Good job, y'all. Alone. All right. And so we are going to continue in the next section of this. And today, we are going to talk about the word guilty. The word guilty. Now, can anyone, um, can anyone guess why I would have chosen the word guilty to discuss today? Why is that something that you think that I, we, that I have picked? Guilty, guilty. You raising your hand, Dimitri? No? Brother Greg? Okay, guilty of sin. Great. What else? What are, what are some other reasons you think I would have picked guilty? Brother Jelani? Because so far all these topics kind of run hand in hand. So guilt, but possibly to loneliness, and possibly quitting also. That's good. Well, way to hop to the end of my series. <laughs> I'm not going to reiterate that, so hopefully you didn't hear it. All right, what else? What else? Can air, air, air pound. What else? What else? What What other reasons do you think I would have picked guilt? There's like a really simple one that y'all are really messing. Like a really simple one. Athara. Sure. What else? That's not it though. Why would I have picked guilt? Thank y'all. Jimmy Neutron. Blame Brad. Uh, perhaps sometimes guilt keeps us from reaching out to God. Sure. So what? So out of all the things that were mentioned just now, what do we know about guilt? Everyone's guilty. Okay, everyone's guilty. Y'all are dancing around it, though. Everyone's guilty, but what else? What else do we know about guilt? Y'all are thinking about it from like a sin perspective, and that's not wrong, but what else do we know about guilt? Everyone deals with guilt. Everyone deals with guilt. Like, it's real simple. Like, everyone deals with guilt. And, but what do we know about Scripture? What does Scripture say about, about us and guilt? That it shouldn't exist, right? Because Christ 
fix that for us, all right? So we're going to get to that in a little while later, but I'm excited about uh, this today. Um, so you guys now, give me some definitions of guilt. If you could define guilt, what would, how would you define it? Y'all know that I'm going to ask you to define every single topic. Y'all should be on your P's and Q's, man. Good luck. I'm only going to pick one word from it. Being rightly accused of? Okay, so like from a, again, from a sin standpoint and even from like a judgment standpoint, like for you to be declared guilty means that you are rightly accused of something that you've done. Sure, what else? Responsible wrongdoing. Responsible? A wrongdoing. Okay, what do you mean? Expound upon that a little bit. Uh, that um, you have done something that is wrong and you have been kind of being responsible Sure. So again, we kind of have like that legal aspect of it. What else? Feeling bad, right? So that's one of the very like elementary principles of it is literally like what is guilt? It's feeling bad, right? Feeling bad about like you feel guilty. Whenever my dog does something she's not supposed to do and I don't know what it is yet, but I see her and she's like, oh man, he's here. (laughs) I didn't think he was going to come out of the bedroom for another 20 minutes. And then I come around the corner and the tissue box was all torn up. And you know what I'm saying? So she kind of like went to the crate and like, I know, I'm going, right? What else you guys got? Days. Having self-pity. Self-pity? Like, um, blame it on yourself. Okay. Self-pity or like blaming, is it blaming it on yourself, like blaming yourself for something. So we see through that, that guilt might not, whatever the instance was may not be your fault, but you blame yourself. Right? You blame yourself for that. Okay, anyone else? We got a couple more if anyone has one. Brother Dominic? You looked it up. (laughs) No, I don't want your definition. I want your own personal... Okay, I get, I get that. He's saying like that feeling of not doing enough, you may feel guilty. Right? Sure. So now we're getting some more like, more like specific instances, but that's, that's right. That's good. Okay. Let me give you some definitions of guilt. <laughs> Biblical guilt. Let me flip this around on my screen orientation. All right. Biblical guilt. Um, can be defined as culpable or responsible for doing wrong, justly chargeable for a particular fault or error, um, conscious or affected by a feeling of guilt, um, involving a feeling of judgment or of guilt, and some other words to define it would be blameworthy, responsible, erring, delinquent, offending, sinful, and criminal. All right, so there's quite a few... Uh, definitions there uh, for us. So let's kind of go into the second portion of this now. What would make someone feel guilty? So we have a bunch of different definitions. By the way, were any one of those ones that you, uh, no? Oh, well, if you still have it, I'd like to hear it then. (laughs) You can stand up for me now. The fact of having committed a specified and implied offense or crime. The what was the first part? Okay, cool. 
the fact of having committed. All right. All right, thank you. That was different. I was worried that you were going to give one of my definitions. And it's like I was watching Parks and Rec this week, and the lady got up and told all of her jokes. And so she got up there, and she was like, I don't have any jokes because you told them all. All right? So don't tell them my definitions. All right? Shout out to Parks and Rec. All right. Um, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm so cool, y'all. I'm so cool. Like, what are the pastors as cool as I am? All right? That sounds very lofty. I'm just kidding. All right? Uh, so let's talk about it again. What would make someone feel guilty? As you think about guilt and all the, like, the like, 11 definitions that we just gave off, what do you think are some things that can cause it? We know what it is, but what would cause it? What are some instances? Huh? Lions. So what's interesting? All right, Darius, don't quote the whole Ten Commandments. <laughs> he was just going to keep going. Can I, can I commentate? Thank you. Um, Growing up, I was a compulsive liar. My mom would tell you that. Um, I would lie about stupid stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, nothing really being necessary to lie about, but I would do it. Um, which is weird, because now, I can't tell a lie to save my life. Which is weird. Kalea, stop it. Stop it. I try to trick Kalea all the time, and she just kind of like... You're so bad at that. <laughs> like today, I was at my mother-in-law's, and uh, she made lunch for us, and she made this, uh, well, she's really working on this vegan thing she's really working on, so um, she's been trying, she's been experimenting on us, basically. And so she, uh, she brought, you know, this salad. I'm not even sure what kind of meat that was, but was it ground beef? Okay. And some, they said, what kind of dressing do you want? And I was like, surprise me. And just a roar from the kitchen, like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> right? And so, um, and so Kalea, you know, brings the food for me. Thank you, my love. And I'm eating it, and she's like, do you like it? And I'm like, she's like, you can't even, you, she's like, you like it. You can't even, you know, you can't even convince me that you're not, that you are. So I, when I was younger, I was like really good at it. Like, pain, I got beat for it. You know what I'm saying? Kind of, kind of lying. Kind of lying. You know, you have someone who lies and you have a liar. Those are not the same thing. You might tell a quick little fib real quick or whatever, but someone who's a liar, like, it's a habit. It's like, mm, what am I going to lie about today? Because it was kind of like that. It was, it was pretty bad. Um, but lying could be one that costs one to feel guilty. Lying to someone you care about. Lying. Um, I'm one of those people, like, um, were you there when I hit the mailbox with a church van? You were there? Were you there for that soul winning? Soul winning, huh? So, so whatever. So I, I, I was going around a bend, and I'm not sure. I must have got too close to it, and the van mirror knocked that thing clean off, right? And I heard do 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 do, and I was like, Atara, stop it. I'm like, what was that? I was like, oh, Brother X, you hit the mailbox. I'm like, oh, no. Right? And you know how it is when something happens and you have that fight or flight mentality. Like, in your mind, you're like, all right. What am I going to do? Because the church logo was plastered all on the side of the van. I got 20 teenagers in here. And I just hit someone's mailbox. So, of course, I did the right thing. But, you know, like... I know, like, immediately just the thought that I had to, that's how, that I wrestled with it for a second was like, you know, it, it, I'm one of those people, I don't get it because I was such a bad kid growing up and it was fun. You know what I'm saying? And now just trying stuff, the Holy Spirit is always in my business. Like, always in my, I can't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, 
you know, lying can be one that can cause guilt. What else you guys got? All right, Dave. So gonna... <laughs> Stealing, all right? We, the Ten Commandments, we got it. What else you guys got? That's not Ten Commandments based, Dave, because he's about to quote the whole thing to me. What else you guys got? Right. It may not even be something that's your fault or something that even requires your attention, but you know that it would be right for you to have to have done that thing. Like, wow, you really probably could have picked that up for her, right. or you could have held that door, or you could have. It wouldn't have really put you out to go and do that thing for that person. Like, you probably could have did that. I mean, even just like offering the assistance. Yeah. You know, like, because there's some people that they'll tell you, like, no, I'm, I'm capable of doing. It doing it themselves, but, right. you know, I know if I see somebody struggling and I don't ask them, I feel guilty. I just right. need to at least ask, hey, do you need assistance? Sure. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's really good. What else you guys got? What are some things that can cause you to feel guilty? Cause a person to feel guilty? Jennifer? Bad language. Bad language, sure. Yeah. Ooh. Very kind of, definitely. What else? To think of doing something for someone and you don't do it and then the person said, oh, I needed somebody to help me to do so-and-so. And you feel bad that you didn't do it when you thought of it. Sure. Um, hold that. One thing, okay, so y'all know, your boys are romantic. That's how I am, right? Uh, so growing up, before, I mean, we had MySpace, Claire, stop it. Before we had MySpace, before we had, like, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat, we had MySpace, right? But other than that, we had that and AIM, so we didn't really have any other, like, social media stuff. So something that me and, like, my girlfriends would do is, like, we would write letters to each other, Right? They write letters to each other, just kind of like, you know, writing letters is a, is a lost art nowadays. But, you know, your boy could, you know, write a little letter. I mean, my penmanship was pretty good. And so I write little cursive letters. I'd spray some of my cologne on it, send it to the house. You know what I'm saying? They loved it. So, um, and when you laughing, but what you do, you throw away a whole box, didn't you? So, remember that? We were dating and you're like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, that's a box of letters from my old girlfriends. And she was like, do it right in the trash. Anyway. So my girlfriend at the time had written me a letter, right? You know how girls are, and it's all girly, and it's in the pink pen, and all that other stuff. And, you know, it smells like perfume and all that other stuff. And then I told her, I was like, hey, be looking out for a letter for me this week, right? And she's like, okay, yay. You know, so she's excited about it. And no, it was not Kalea. I didn't write her no letters. I did write you some letters. I wrote you some letters, didn't I? Uh-huh. Did you write me back? Not going to put you out on the podcast. <laughs> Not going to put you out on the podcast. No, she didn't. All right? You wrote me back a couple times. I could tell you wasn't feeling it, though. Clay was like, boy, you whack. All right. Clay is sweet. I'm just picking on her. Um, so, push comes to shove. Next week or so, she calls me. And she's like, hey, did you send that letter yet? And I was like... Did not send the letter. But I think it was a big deal. You know, boys are dumb, right? Abby, boys are dumb, right? So she's like, so she's like, uh, I was like, no, I didn't send it. I'm so sorry. I, know, I, I forgot. And she was like, I checked the mailbox every day for that letter. 
and you had even written it yet. And so I was like, <sighs> so like I got home that day and I wrote the letter and boom, set it in the mailbox and she never wrote me again. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but there was that feeling of guilt because I knew that she had been looking forward to it. So, so all that to say is sometimes like saying that you do something for someone and maybe you don't mean to not do it, but it just kind of happens. And that could definitely trigger some guilt. What else you guys got? Someone else had one. Brother Jay. So perhaps taking shortcuts and getting the end results is, goes with the shortcuts. Y'all, the temptation for school is so real. <laughs> the temptation for school will be so real. <laughs> taking, those short, taking shortcuts can cause you to feel guilty. Right? Knowing that you didn't do it as well um, as you should have, or as well as you maybe wanted to, and just, you know, kind of cutting corners on it, uh, might be something that may cause someone to feel some guilt. Like, you know what, I probably could have done a better job on that. And that's one of those reasons why I was telling you today, where, um, where I brought an alternate lesson today, other than the Proverbs series, because it was like, I could either do this, where I could just do like a really quick, you know, spitball version of the, of the passage, or I could do it right. And I was like, I'll just use something that I know that I have already done right, than to just do something and just be like, oh, well, I just did it, kind of thing. And so, uh, cutting corners is definitely a, a big one. Someone says, if you want something done, you, gotta, you want something done right, you know, you gotta do it yourself, and stuff like that, but uh, cutting corners can definitely be a big one. Uh, most people with a conscience who cuts, who cut a, cuts corners, they're gonna feel it later, like, uh, like for instance, I love sharing my personal life, so here's this one. Um, so I have, um, the, the nightstand in our bedroom is right by my bed. And in it, I have um, socks and, you know, socks and ties and stuff are in one drawer and the other one is like a combination of socks, ties, do-rags, all that stuff, right? And so sometimes I'll go in there to get a tie or socks or a do-rag or whatever I'm getting out and I won't close it all the way. Sometimes, I don't mean to, I just kind of like, you know, you kind of push it close, but it doesn't go all the way. And so I'll always hear behind me, right? It's Kalea <laughs> closing the drawers, right? And so, contrary to popular belief, I don't like doing things. I don't like when she does stuff when I could have done it. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? For instance, like I know when Kalea gets home, she's going to come home, she's going to say hi. She's going to go check the trash. She's going to go check the sink. She's going to go check the bathroom. That's like in, like almost like in order, right? Walk in, just create like a little loop, right? So I know if I, if I beat her home, like I'll check those things and try to do it before she gets home because like it bugs me. I don't know why, but it bugs me for her to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like it bugs me for her to do it. And so like I'll try to like walk the dog or because I mean we share a lot of the responsibilities other than cooking. I really hate it. Like, I think I'm a pretty good cook, but I cannot stand it. I will do everything else, but I just don't like it. I'm so sorry. So it's pretty much like 95-5 for that ratio um, of Kalea to me um, kind of thing. But so sometimes, like, I'll go and to, clo- to do that, and I know that I should have closed the drawer. And I'm walking out, and I'm like, bro, you know Kalea is not going to be happy about that drawer. <laughs> so I'm like, turn back around and go and stuff it in there close the drawer right so cutting corners definitely can be one anyone else got any other ones give me one more we got one more Athara you know when you do something to attention the person but they forgave you 
that is the culmination of how God deals with me. I, I kid you not. God, God punishes me by giving me stuff that I know I don't deserve. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll share with you guys about my intern partner and about how I was mean to him and all that other stuff. And he ended up being a blessing to me. And that was the biggest guilt factor ever. Where it was like, you don't deserve this love, but I'm going to give it to you. Feel bad. I'm like, you're right. I shouldn't have done it. I should have been a better person. You know, but you're right. Like, you do something that intentionally hurts someone and they turn the other cheek on you. That's that, believe it or not, like, that is such a powerful defense. You know, fight, you know, fight evil with good, man. You turn it around. One of the biggest ways, let me tell y'all, if y'all got people at your school or at work or whatever that treat you badly, here's what you do. This is what you do. You be sweet to them. You be sweet to them. Hey, um, I noticed you go to Starbucks every morning. I brought you a coffee. Right? Or, um, or maybe it's just kind of like, I noticed that you have a piece of Godiva chocolate, you know, after your lunch. So I bought you a roll. Right? And just little stuff that says, hey, I'm, hey, I'm thinking about you. And at first, it may take them back like, uh, what, are they, what are you doing? But consistently loving on someone, man, that'll wear somebody down. And I said it before, there were some families here that did that to me. They, were, they, were, they mistreated me. They honestly did. And I was like, all right, I'm going to love your kids. Play with your children. That's going to be one of those. You can't get mad at most playing with your kids. You know what I'm saying? Playing tag in the lobby. Like, you can't be mad at that. Like, kind of thing, you know? Uh, I'd get down. I'd, they're at the altar. And I'd go down. And I'd put my hand on them and pray for them to be a good husband. And for, for God to bless their home. And different stuff like that. And before long, they love me. They love me today, right? But it was one of those things that, that wins them. But that's, that's really good. It's just thinking about like, hey, uh, when someone is nice to you, when you intentionally tried to hurt them, that may cause some guilt. Good job, Athara. Gold star. All right. Can um, I say something? Yes, ma'am. When I worked with Head Start, there was a teacher there. I don't know why she didn't like me. And she was, she was so mean to me. But I made it my point of view to be nice to her. Mm-hmm. And in the end, before I left there, we were very good friends. Yeah. And she said to me one day, you know, when I stopped, I, I was working there before her, but she came in like a lion. Yeah. And she would, she was so mean to me. And I would just laugh and say, you're trying to break me, but you dare not. I will not allow you to break me. And she said to me, you know, when I started working here, I thought you were so standoffish. I said, really? In what way? She said, well, you didn't, you didn't talk much. And when we were giving our jokes and enjoying it, say, well, it depended on the jokes. <laughs> Certain things I just don't go for. Right. She said, but 
I find out that you're a nice person after all. I say, oh, thank you. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Um, so let's talk about this part. Part two of that is um, give me some instances that Satan may try to make us feel guilty. What are some instances where Satan can try to make us feel guilty? Miss, T- Miss Tina. A previous sin, he keeps bringing it to our mind. Yeah. That's how, and that's a lot about how bondage works. Is him, you know, reminding you often of your past. Always reminding you of your past. Wow. I mean, look at you. You're in church, but you did X, Y, and Z, and you used to be this person or that person. This was in your past, or this was a part of your story. And now, there's no way that when people find out the kind of life that you've lived, there's no way that they're gonna let you be someone who heads up that ministry at the church or lets you, you know, be a part of that outreach program or any of that stuff. There's no way they're going to let you. And he's really good at that, at bringing up who you used to be. Even though you've dealt with it, you've moved on, you've grown, your testimony has strengthened. And it may not hurt anyone else because people may already know and say, hey, well, we already know that Xavier dealt with that or struggled with that thing. And so, you know, he's okay. You know, we're, we love him anyway. And, but he, Satan will try to get you internally. and will say, man, God could never use that. He can never use you. You might as well just quit. That's right. What else we got? What are some ways that he can try to make us feel guilty? What are some things that he can do to make us feel guilty? Anyone got anything else? Okay. No worries. No worries. All right. Um, so here's the next thing, okay? What does looking guilty look like? You ever heard, you ever met someone... You ever heard, you know, talking about like what it looks like to look like someone has guilt? Uh, what does that look like? What does a guilty person look like? Not making eye contact. Not making eye contact, okay? Um, one of the, we learned an acronym in, um, in my counseling class is called SOLAR. And one of those, the E in that, in that SOLAR stands for eye contact, right? And so one of those things that I've learned is that whenever someone is being dishonest or they are embarrassed... <laughs> They don't want to look you in the eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Their eyes are like really shifty, and so they'll be like, yeah, I was, you know, doing this. Live, kind of pulling one of those guys. But someone who, one of those reasons why it's difficult is because, and I got a lot of practice with the, with the teenagers. You know what I'm saying? Adara's shaking her head because she knows that I'm a powerhouse at detecting the truth. Kalei, I know, gets annoyed with me because sometimes I'll be like, hey, what's going on? She's like, nothing, I'm fine. I'll be like... <laughs> my discernment level is like here so like sh- just a shift in spirit and I'm like you okay? you alright? and so even some of the teens will say man we try to avoid you because we <laughs> look Astara's co-signing it all man she's in my youth department right? we try to avoid you because we know you know that this is what's going on that something's going on and we don't really want to talk about it or we're embarrassed by it or, or whatever um, and so not making eye contact is a big one what else we got? that someone can look guilty what do y'all think? You just said avoidance. Huh? You just said avoidance. Avoidance? Yeah. Whew. Any of y'all, I mean, yeah, I've definitely avoided some people in my life. <laughs> Not going to lie. I definitely avoided some people where you take the long way home, boy, because you're like, I don't want to. I don't want like <laughs> one time one of the teenagers when we had Baptist Temple School. Um, I forgot what it was that she had done. Uh, but you know that, you know that side door by the closet? 
by my old office. You know that, that one, that maintenance closet that has all the reams of paper in it? And no one ever goes through that door. And I heard, I was like, I heard, ee! And I was like, who was walking to open my blinds real quick? And I saw the student come by. I said, hey, get in here. <laughs> right? Because, you know, the student walked past my office every single day. I was like, what's going on? Like, I was like, why are, you take, why are you going through that way? You had to take the long way to get to class from there. And she's just kind of like, well, this happened. I thought you were mad at me. And, you know, kind of thing. And so avoidance is definitely one when people are struggling with guilt. Do we have one more? Do we have one more? What does guilt look like? Anyone? Days? Deflecting. High five, Days. Boom. Deflecting is a huge form that sometimes we deal with guilt. Um, or redirecting the, redirecting the question or, or talking around the answer. You know what I'm saying? They're beating around the bush, right? They're kind of, you know, putting the sugar on it. And they're like, you know, spit it out already. What do you got to say? And they'll be like, so... You know, tell me, tell me, you know, if, did you write that letter for me? Well, you see what happened was, right? So, like, I was at school, and I had band practice, and I got home from band, and I was so tired. You know what I'm saying? But I got home, but you know how moms are, wash the dishes, you know? So, I was trying, uh, yeah, great, I know all that, but did you or did you not write my letter? Right? Kind of thing. And so, that was not how that went down, but it's a lot how, how that goes, is we may dance around it or deflect. Uh, that's fantastic. So what could someone do to erase guilt? All right, let's, 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 let's put it all together. We're talking about sin guilt. We're talking about saying you were going to do something and didn't do or whatever all the definitions are that we gave. What is something that we can do as individuals to erase guilt? Miss Cecile. Apologize. Apologize. You'll be shocked at how many people cannot do that. Cannot do that. More transparency, right? Because that's how I am. I hope I know that I, you know. So don't judge me because I'm really open with y'all. All right. Like a month ago, right? Um, my mom calls me about my sister, right? My sister, I don't know what my sister had done. She had done something. And she called me about, she calls me about my sister. And so I heard this, you know, my, what my mom said. And so um, I'm really blessed because my sister, my little sister, my little brother allowed me to be big brother to them. Um, I'm 28, my sister is 25, and then uh, my youngest brother is 21, right? And so they, but they allow me to be big brother to them, and, I, and I'm so thankful for that. But I call my sister, and I just kind of start off the bat, like chewing around. You know, you shouldn't have. So she started like yelling at me, right? And, you know, and I'm. I have a big no yell policy, you know, so even in our house, we really try to work on not raising our voices when we talk to each other, especially when it's conflict. Uh, so I always tell my family, especially my mom and my sister, because they're island people, you know, so, and so I'm like, if you're going to yell at me, then I'm not going to talk to you. So she's yelling and I'm going, I'm like, Jasmine, 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 she's yelling, I just go click, <laughs> just hung up, and I drove a little while for another five minutes, and I thought about it, and I'm like, man, you probably shouldn't have approached her like that. You know, she's upset. You know, she's, you know, her adrenaline is high right now. And you probably could have been a lot more, you know, compassionate in the way that you dealt with her. And so I call her back, right, which is what I was going to do anyway. But I just wanted her to calm down. But I call her back and I go, Jazz, I shouldn't have done that. And I'm really sorry. I hope you can forgive me. She goes, yeah, it's okay. All right, and then we talk about whatever's going on, right? Uh, but saying sorry is hard. Right? Saying sorry is hard. Um, and 
even more so apologizing. By the way, who said apologizing? Who was that? Mrs. Hill, I'm going to pick on you a second. I do not ever use the phrase or the word apologize. The word apologize stems from the word apologetics. And the word apologetics means to what? To, huh? Mm-mm, not quite. Almost there. What does it mean? What does apo- what? Defend. Defend. Right? Defend. Defend. And so even some t- I saw someone say this um, on Twitter this week. And they were like, um, I'm sorry that my, that my statement hurt you. Right? And so it wasn't exactly like being able to like take responsibility for what was said. It was like, I'm sorry that, how I said, how, that what I said hurt your feelings kind of thing. So we find that we can get to a place where we, where we defend. We say, oh, I'm, you know, but being sorry, saying I'm sorry is a different thing. It's, it's taking responsibility uh, for what you've done, which I'm sure, I know that's what you meant. Yeah. You know, but the words, I think sometimes can be used interchangeable, and I don't think they are. So, um, but saying, there's, saying you're sorry when you've, when you've done something, when you've wronged someone can help alleviate some of that guilt. All right, what else? Brother Jelani. Okay. If you're honest, honesty is key to Sure. Brother John is like just one of the things is just being being honest. Be an honest person. You be an honest person and you don't excuse me. You be an honest person and you don't have to worry about feeling feeling guilty about the things that you say because you weren't in error or you won't you weren't lying about it. You just came out and just said it. You know, say what you mean. Just say what you mean. You know, I, I struggle with that as adults. Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm the kind of person, maybe it's just my personality type, but I'm very straightforward. Like, if, I, if there's something that I got to say to you, I'm going to say it. You know, I mean, I, of course, you always want to be tactful in how you talk to people. But I'm not just going to beat around the bush. If I've got a problem with you, I'm going to tell you. You know, kind of thing. And so, but you'll be shocked at how many adults really struggle with that. Really struggle with that. So, absolutely. What else we got? Anyone else? Get a couple more if anyone has any. Praying about it, yes. Praying about it can alleviate guilt. I got a friend right now, Brother Greg, who has already done the apologizing. They've already done the honesty, but they're still struggling with the guilt. And sometimes when that happens, because sometimes when we struggle with it, it's not even that, like, I've trespassed against Deus, and Deus has forgiven me, but I haven't done what? And sometimes the guilt comes with it. And so sometimes you got to, when's the last time you went to the Lord and said, Lord, help me to just get over it. Help me to just make peace uh, with what's happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else? What else you guys got? Good job, Brother Greg. Uh, What can erase guilt? What do you guys got? We basically had like make it right, you know, you know, apologize, tell the truth, uh, pray about it. Anything else? We can think about about what could help to alleviate um, to alleviate guilt. Okay, cool. Um, so someone told me this. Then let's make it practical, and then we're gonna get into um, then we're gonna get into we're doing good on time. We're gonna get into what God says about you. Um, what are some steps that someone can take to overcome guilt? If you had a friend that for whatever reason they were feeling guilty. What would be your advice to them for them to not feel guilty anymore? What would be your advice? What do you tell someone? 
Michael. Yes, I tell them to find somebody that they can confide in. Okay. And talk to that person that's here. Maybe they might be able to um, you know, give you some type of advice. Sure. Sure. So Brother Michael was talking about finding a confidant. Someone that you can say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Or this is what I'm going through. And, you know, and even advise them, find someone that you can confide in. And that may be able to help you to, uh, to alleviate that. What else? What else, what's some, what else are some steps that you could take? Mm-hmm. Brother, Brother Jelani. Uh, it might sound a bit forward, but uh, to be, be accountable and take ownership of you know, sure. whatever it is that caused you to feel that. Yeah. And show yeah. On a scale of one to ten, how hard do you think that, that is to tell someone? It depended on the relationship. Yeah. It could be really difficult. But if you have that firm foundation with them, then that sure. would be good. I mean, it would be easier, but depending on the relationship, on Twitter this morning, um, on Twitter this morning, I saw one of my friends. He said, and he quoted a tweet, and the tweet said, um, how many of you guys have friends that are over four, friendships that are over four years long? And he tagged, my buddy tagged me in it. He said, me and, you know, my Twitter handle is Rev the Martian. So he's like, me and Rev the Martian, we're pushing 13 years this year, you know? And so because of that, uh, we have some crazy rapport, right? And so that I, there can be stuff that's going on, and, we could, and that can come through, and he can say, tell me about something. I'm like, bro, you're being an idiot. Like, you got to fix that because that is not a good, that was not a good choice, you know? And we can come right out and say those things where it can be like, bro, that's not it. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes it can be like, someone can say, you know, does, my, does this just make me look fat? And, you know, but you, there are people in your life where you can give, you, where you have given that level of clearance to. That's like, you have the freedom to tell me, what it, tell me whatever you got to say because um, I know that your intentions aren't to hurt my feelings, it's to make me better, Right? right? And so even in that, even now, especially working with this counseling stuff, I've gotten to the point where I've been like, when someone asks me stuff, I'm like, all right, are you wanting me to be nice to you and just, you know, pat your back? Or do you really want, like, my honest advice on what you should do? And some people have been like, I want your honest advice. And some people can be like, you know what? I don't know if I can actually handle your honest advice, so never mind. Right? And because sometimes we want people to... Um, to just you know sugarcoat it or to make us feel better, but not necessarily tell us exactly what we need to work on. So that's a big one. Where but being able to be like, look, Kalea, sweetheart, that's just not it. That wasn't it. And you're gonna have to like for one for instance like my wife's opinion on my clothing is really is really high to me, right? It's really high. Of course, like we're married. I want her to think I'm attractive, you know. Uh, so there'll sometimes where I'll get in the closet and. Um, and I'll, I'll find an outfit and I'll put it on and I'm like, does this go? And she'll be like, <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. Every single time it hurts my feelings. <laughs> Every single time. And you try not to take it personal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think I'm a pretty good dresser. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but she, sometimes I'm trying to try combinations and she's like, mm. and sometimes I veto that where I'm like, I'm going to wear it anyway. Right, uh, but there are a lot of times where that will happen, and even though it'll hurt, and my wife has even said sometimes where she's like, "I'm afraid to tell you this or say this about you because I don't want you to be upset," and I'm like, "Whether it makes me mad or not, if I need to hear it, I need to hear it. So tell me, I'll get over it. Trust me, right?" And so being able to establish that level of rapport that can say, "Hey, 
you're probably dealing with some guilt because you haven't done that right. And you probably got to fix X, Y, and Z. You know what I'm saying? So good job, Brother John. You got like four gold stars today. What else? Anybody got any other ones? Miss Tina. Sure. All right. So if she's talking about just doing the right thing. Right. If you're doing, if the, doing the wrong thing has caused you to be all shifty and, and you know, kind of lurk a lot and being someone that's very, you know, mischievous and uncomfortable right. and avoiding people, like you said, you know, then stop doing that. Do, then do right. But what do we know is the truth? The Bible says that men love darkness rather than evil because their deeds are, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So you'll find out that a lot of the problem is that they don't want to fix it. They want to be able to do whatever it is that they're doing and be okay with it and be validated in doing it even though it is wrong. A lot of the people that don't come to church, I'm telling you this, a lot of people that don't come to church is there are a good group of people who are involved in stuff they're not supposed to be. And when they, when they get to church then, they feel self-conscious. They feel like people are watching them. And no one might not even know what's going on in their life. Yeah. Right? But they start feeling like someone's over their back. And uh, how are you? What do you mean? You know what I'm saying? They get really jumpy. And so they're like, I want to avoid all of that. So I just won't even go. Yeah. Right? Um, and again, as a youth pastor, that is something that I really dealt with with teenagers is... Not just, and Brother Michael, you'll deal with it too. And it's not just that people are doing wrong. It's that they're doing wrong and they don't want to do right. And because they don't want to do right, they start acting really weird about it. And like you said, avoiding you and, and stuff like that. Stop returning your text messages and stuff like that, right? And so that's a big one. Yes, absolutely, Miss Tina. Anyone else? What's something that can be done, some steps that you would give or advise to overcome guilt? Sometimes plain old reassurance that it is okay is enough. Gold star, Deus. That's one of, one of some, sometimes plain old reassurance for someone that's, hey, you're going to be fine. It's okay. Like, I know. I know, but it's over. It's been dealt with. It's going to be fine. Just move forward. You're okay. And that may be that little push that someone might need to let go of whatever it is that they've been holding on to. All right, so let me get some readers. We're, gonna, we're coming into, the, we're getting into the, the last portion of the lesson tonight. I need one, two, three, four, five, six people. Brother Michael, Romans 3.23. Anyone else? Brother Jelani, Romans 6.23. Anyone else? Brother Howard, 1 Corinthians 10.13. Brother Dominic. First uh, John one nine. I need another one. Anyone? 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 Kalea John three sixteen, and then um, brother Johnny, I gave you six twenty three, right? Romans six twenty three. Do not leave that because I'm going to come back to that again. Okay, after you after you read it, and then I need one more. Miss Cecile, John chapter three verse seventeen. All right. So who has Romans three twenty three? Go for it. There you go. For all I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number one, 
The truth about what God says about you is you are, in fact, guilty. You are, in fact, guilty. That is not a lie. That is not a lie. We talked about, we talked about it this more, how we were guilty and we were condemned because of our trespasses and sins. We we're, were condemned in it. And the whole reason that Jesus Christ had to die on the cross for our sins was because we were guilty. We stood before the judge and the sentence was life. You know, 25 to life. You were given, not even 25 to life, you were given the death penalty. I mean, you were guilty as sin. No pun intended. Right? The truth is that you were, you were guilty. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. Stop there. Alright? For the wages of sin is death. Number two, you deserve the punishment. The truth about guilt whether it be from a sin standpoint or whether it be about whatever you've done, whatever guilt it is that you are feeling, it's, it's right. It's something that's, that's, that's true because the wages of sin, the word wage, what's the word wage? Someone define it for me. A payment or a paycheck, right? So the paycheck that you receive for sin, right, is death. We know that death there in the Greek had two definitions. One, it's separation from God, right? The te- definition of biblical death is separation from God, but secondly, uh, uh, an eternal death. And we're talking about hell, right? So the wages of sin is death, and you deserve it. So number one, you're guilty. Uh, what, I, what I do when I'm feeling guilty? You're right, you're guilty. Number two, the punishment, you deserve that punishment. Whatever it is, we, <coughs> we talked about David and uh, how David sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and that little baby and his whole family and all that came along with it was something that David deserved. Isn't that true? He deserved all of it. Number three, who has 1 Corinthians 10, 13? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to him. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Number three, you are not the only one to feel guilty. You are not the only one that's felt guilty and you're not the only one who is tempted by what makes one feel guilty or are guilty. Brother Howard so graciously read that, read that, uh, that passage which said, there's no temptation taking you of such that is common unto man. Like Many of the stuff that we deal with as people are stuff that people have dealt with long before you and people will deal with after you. And all of that to say is that you're not alone. Whenever you start feeling that, like you're not, you're like, you ever get that way? You're like, am I the only one who feels like this? Am I the only one that is guilty for, for instance, my like, my like first month here at, at Orlando Baptist Temple, we were taking the teen soul winning and I'll take them in the van and someone, I won't say who, someone saw someone who was part of the homosexual community and he saw some glitter lip gloss in the glove compartment that someone had left in the van and we drove by that guy who was on the corner and he was working. He was doing one of those like little, come here, we have free cell phones kind of thing. And he threw that glitter bomb at him and shouted a derogatory phrase to them. Now, I did not say that. I did not do that action. As a matter of fact, I was, I was infuriated that he had done that action and yet I still felt the guilt of what, hap- of what just happened. And I was like, oh, we just heard the testimony of the Lord with Orlando Baptist Temple plastered on the side of our church van. 
another reason like that that person I, I, I kid you not if, if it was just me and that individual in the car I would have pulled over and said I am so sorry that that just happened and you know and I was oh my gosh I was so mad I got back and I told Dr. Riggs about what had happened it was a really terrible situation we never went out again, together again alright but you're not the only one to feel guilt and are tempted by what makes one guilty First John 1 John 1.9 who's got that go ahead brother Dominic nice and loud we confess our sins he is faithful Amen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number four, we can be forgiven of what makes us guilty. I love that God has grace. Because it's a lot like whenever we do something wrong and you're, you're a sinner saved by grace, right? So you'll struggle with sin just like I will. And I know how it is when you start. I remember watching a basketball game and it was down to the wire and there was a big shot that had to be taken in the basketball game. And the guy who was a really good shooter, he went up to shoot that shot and he missed. Right. The other team called a timeout. They got now possession to win the game. And the guy was walking back to the bench with his head down and his teammate came by and picked his head up with his hand and patted his chest and said, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. That's the way that God works in our lives. He says, listen to me. Did you just blow the shot? Yeah. But it's okay. We'll work on it. Hey, uh, don't, 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 don't hang your head. It's okay. We're, we're going to work through it. And when we understand that the beautiful thing about God is that he is willing to forgive us our sins Every time that we have trespassed against him, we realize that God is way more loving and endearing than we thought he was. And that's something that I think should, we should pay some serious attention to. That we can be made forgiven for what makes us feel guilty. Uh, number five. Who has John 3.16? Amen. Brother Jelani, read the second half of your verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's think about how both of those verses work together, right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Check this out. Number five is that God made a way for you to be free from guilt. God made a way for you to be free from guilt. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that there is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ. He says, listen to me. The reason why I, number four, like I was telling you that he wants you to, uh, to pick your head up is because he's made you free from guilt. He's made you feel free from guilt. And so what does that mean? If you messed up, fix it. After you fixed it, if you have gone and you have said you are sorry and you have tried to, you know, What's the call? Retribution. If you try to pay retribution or for what you have done to replace that or even go above and beyond or whatever it may be. If you've done all of those things, whether it is rejected or whether it is accepted, you should be free from your guilt. Because you have rectified it. I'm not saying don't be broken. Like, man, you might have messed up and it might have cost you a friend. 
But once you've done your best to fix it, there is nothing else you can do. Beating yourself up about it does not change anything. We really got to get out of the habit of beating, beating ourselves up because I won't fix the problem. Last verse, John three seventeen. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Christ didn't come to condemn or spread guilt, but to save. But to save. Christ did not come to condemn or spread guilt, but to save. Now, as we look at all of those things, right, we see that this was broken down into, um, into did you see how I, how I filtered out those, those takeaways, right? Number one, you're guilty. Number two, you deserve the punishment. Number three, though, you're not the only one to feel that way. Number four, you can be forgiven. Number five, God made a way to be free. And number six, Christ didn't condemn them. The temperature of it changes drastically. And if Christ can do that, the underlying theme in this is make sure that you're the kind of person who is willing to free someone from the guilt, from the trespass they have done against you. You ever thought about it that way? That maybe we should feel guilty for how we have treated people who are guilty of doing something against us. You see how that works? I'll leave you with this and we're done. You can pack up. I wrote a paper on forgiveness counseling this past week. Um, I got a 96 on it. That was that paper I was telling you about. That I, you know, and you were like, did you just put it off? I'm like, no, I was just busy. Got a 96. Oh, Jesus, it's your birthday. Um, but one of the things in there is, in this article, they were talking about, um, is forgiveness something that is a one-time thing that's like, hey, I forgive you, and I'm going to declare audibly to you that I forgive you, and it's over? Or is it a process to get to a place of forgiveness? What do you guys think? Who says it's something that you got to do like right then and there, just like, you're, I forgive you. Who says it's that? Who says, okay, so we see, I see a hand. Anyone else? Who says that forgiveness is, hey, I forgive you, and that's it. That settles it. Who agrees with that? Who thinks forgiveness is a process and that it takes time to get there? Trick question. It's both. It's both. Sometimes it's not so easy. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. We, we are commanded by scripture. It's not a suggestion. Forgive lest you not be forgiven. Period. Right? But forgiveness, although it's something that has to be done, saying that I forgive you but not meaning it is not forgiving you. I said it, but I still treat you like I haven't forgiven you. And that is not forgiveness. Now, you may, you may finally get to the point where you forgive someone, but you have to remember that just because you are still hurt when you see them does not mean you haven't forgiven. Does that make sense? When you, the definition of forgiveness is to clear someone of an offense, right? To no longer hold it against them. But sometimes you may look at someone and say, you may forgive, but you may not be over it. You understand? I wish we had the mind of God who could forgive and forget. 
but sometimes it takes some, some time. And even for many of us, we, it takes us a, some time to get to a process where we can even audibly be like, I can forgive you. You ever tried to forgive someone, but you just couldn't say it? I forgive it. <laughs> you're trying your best to do it, but you're like, you know you don't. You know you haven't. And so the article was really talking about just pacing yourself and saying, get there. You'll get there. It takes time. I was counseling someone this week, and she was telling me about how she's really struggling with forgiving someone in her family, right? And forgiving them of something that she's done, and she's just kind of like, I'm just not ready to. I'm just not ready to. And I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. I'd rather you say it when you're ready to say it than lie. It takes time. But just as we would want to be free from our offenses, we should want to free others from theirs. One of the issues in that article that people were talking about was, I don't want to be made to feel like what was done to me didn't matter. I have to show empathy to myself and empathy, empathy to them. How is that fair to me? And that's a valid question. But here's the truth about forgiveness. If you're waiting for someone to... If you're waiting for justice to be served, you may never get it. That, way you, that means you may spend your entire life in anger and bitterness. And we've seen people in our lives that struggle with that big time. When the offense may never, they may never say they're sorry to you. They may never make it right. And that's why when my boy Lewis came to me and, out and he you know, did all those sweet things to me. And I tried to say that I'm sorry. He said, I forgave you a long time ago. He said, this wasn't for you to say sorry to me because I have already forgiven you. Just as much as we should be free from guilt, we should try to free others who have trespassed us from it as well. Something to think about. Amen? Let's pray.